it's about that time. For the inside trim. You know that nasty trim. Don't wind up on your back, bro. Are you ready? And we're back. What's up, wrestling fans? Oh, shucky ducky wrestling fans, we are back. This is episode number 27 of the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast. As always, this is Brandon Olinger, a.k.a. Brando, and I am joined alongside my co-host, Benjamin, the Fan Man Watson. What up, what up, what up? What's up, Ben? How you doing, buddy? It's been oh, a while. Man, it's good to be back up in this podcast room. I'm pumped about it right now, man. We missed the week last week. We did, and every time I walked by this room oh. the past week, I would just look at it, and it was like like a little part of me was missing. So you saying it's episode 27, right? Isn't that what I said? Yeah. So we've done like 25 weeks almost in a row, and then like, you know with an extra podcast, I think, when we do one. And so we had a good run, boy, before we took a, took a week off. We did. But you know what? Now we're back. Are we slipping? No, we're not slipping. We're going to catch an ass whooping? We, <laughs> we, have, we have other things that obviously you know, we have to do, and unfortunately it just didn't work out last week that we were able to, uh, to get together to do the podcast. But that just means that we're going to bring double the energy, double the fun for this podcast, and double the stupidity for this podcast. I'm with you on the stupidity. I don't know about <laughs> not, the other not the stuff. <laughs> oh, come on. Suck it up, man. I'm in, I'm in a I'm good, good mood. I'm good. I'm two beers deep, and I'm ready to talk. All right, let's get down to a little bit of business. Listen, as I said, we are The Inside Trip. You can find us on Twitter at The Inside Trip 1. We even got that Facebook page, The Inside Trip. Go out there and find it, like it, follow it. We try to post something from time to time. Somebody poked us the other day. Ooh, I love getting poked. Yeah, it was weird. And if you want to send us an email, like we've said a million times before, we love getting the emails. You can do so at theinsidetrip1 at gmail.com. So feel free to send us some feedback, send us some questions. We get we get great feedback. We love it. So anyway, man. We get bad feedback, too. We do get some bad feedback. No, it's good feedback about how bad we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? Whatever. And I guess I should say, um, if you are listening to this podcast, you most likely know how to find us. But in case you stumbled upon us on accident, we do apologize. But if you want to find us again, Go out there. You can catch us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and some of those other enjoyable podcast places. I think you can catch us on Spreaker, too. Yeah. Yeah. You can. Spreaker's kind of shitty, though. Is it? Yeah. We can only post five hours, and they start deleting stuff. Oh, that's because we didn't pay. <laughs> we haven't paid for, like, the... Yeah. No, we're doing, <laughs> we're doing the bootleg version. Yeah, we're bootlegging it. <laughs> you can catch us on YouTube. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Hopefully one day. Catch us on Napster. <laughs> Napster. Download us. You're going to get a virus. But. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we get started, listen, I want to give a big shout out to uh, one of our podcast friends, uh, Jacob Casper, Duke's heavyweight, All-American heavyweight. Sent us a wonderful, some, some sweet shirts this past week. Love them. These some kind awesome. words. I'm wearing it right Vince now. sporting one right now. It's comfy, baby. Team Casper, baby. Yeah, I am. I am Team Casper. I'm wearing one next year when him and Snyder wrestle each other. All right. No, no, no. I'll get scared about that. Why? Because Ohio State fans will beat me up. Casper's from Ohio. That's true. Good Dude, point. He's, he's actually from Ohio. Maybe I'll wear Ohio State shorts and Casper uh, shirt. You cannot wear shorts to NCAAs. I wore sweatpants once. You wear sweatpants all the time. Not all right. the last time. <laughs> we digress. So, man, we're lot, lots been going on, dude. What's up? You bought, you, I hear you're in the market of collecting houses. You bought a new house? <laughs> yeah, that's actually the reason why we weren't able to uh, – one of the reasons why we weren't able to get in the podcast or do the podcast last week is uh, – I was in the process of buying a house and selling our house, which, as anybody who's done that before is, uh, knows, it uh, takes freaking forever to get everything done. The inspections, the appraisals, the walkthroughs, blah, 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 blah. This so is anyways, like the second house you've bought in the last year. Like, you can't make up your mind. Correct. We just bought, we bought the house, but we just sold it. Yes, we sold it within a day. So shout out to my real estate agent as well. Um, she's probably not listening, but she's cool. So yeah, so we got a new house, and my new house has podcast rooms. So you know we'll be able to you know switch it up, maybe do a podcast here or there, maybe do a podcast there, depending on where we're at. I ain't lugging this equipment back no, and forth. No, we'll get, we'll get two sets of equipment. <laughs> All right, two sets of equipment because it's got right. it's got a wrestling uh, room in it. It's got a wrestling room. Yeah, we're gonna put I'm going to get a mat down. Are we going to go takedowns? No, I'm not going to wrestle anybody, but it's going to look cool. <laughs> 
All right, man, I don't even know how to respond to that. So what else is new, man? My wife is leaving for Puerto Rico on Tuesday. Yeah, talk to me about with that. With my daughter. Well, I just did. She's leaving for Puerto Rico on Tuesday. I'm going to be living the bachelor life for a week. A lot of crazy parties going to be going down at my house. Oh, yeah? And by crazy parties, I'm probably just going to get drunk and jump on the kid's trampoline. I'm in. I might even go topless just to piss the neighbors off even more. Can I jump on the trampoline? Yeah, but you got to keep a shirt on. Uh, all right. They don't want to see those boobs flying. <laughs> <laughs> see why it's going to Puerto Rico with, with, uh, with your daughter, huh? Yeah, going to visit fam. And then me and, me and my boy's going to head down there and catch up with them the, the next week. So it should well, be fun. Weather will be good. And then when I get back from Puerto Rico, a day later, I'll be catching a plane to Nebraska. Oh. Got them tickets in the mail. God. I'm I'm excited for you. I'm sad for me not being able to go. I'm That's really the day excited. I closed on my house the day before the uh, the team trials start. That's cool. I'm sure there's still planes running after your closing. I know. I know. I'm a loser. We'll see. I'm not I'm, getting my hopes. I'm not up. counting anything out. All right, Ben. Let's get down to some wrestling stuff, man. A lot of stuff going on the last couple of weeks. I'd say one of the big big events that went on is the the Beat the Streets tournament. Beat the Streets New York. I totally agree. I think that, um, you know, that's a huge event that I think is really neat they do every year. So correct me if I'm wrong. Beat the Streets is um, an organization that's throughout the United States, I believe, that the sole focus on it is to help inner city and urban youth um, get involved in the wrestling, get involved in wrestling. I believe that's accurate. I'd say that's pretty accurate. So, and obviously one of the biggest events they put on is Beat the, Beat the Streets New York. Yeah, and I think, it, I think it started in New York. I'm not positive about that. But you see Beat the Streets popping up all over the place. So this Beat the Streets New York, you know, for people that didn't get to catch it, is basically a conglomeration of you know, some of the United States' best freestyle wrestlers, both men's and women's, that are wrestling. And they typically wrestle a, another country. Another country will send teams over. So in the, past, they, in the past, they've wrestled Russia, Iran, Iran and uh, Cuba. Okay. So this year... They pulled Japan, which, you know, for the women, that's awesome, right? Japanese uh, women, is, is, that's like the pinnacle of, of women's wrestling. Correct. The men, eh, if you look at those scores, not so much. So, I mean, they had, some, they had a couple of dudes out there with some pretty good credentials. In fact, I think, uh, what, uh, America's favorite, favorite wrestler, JB, Jordan Burroughs, took on a world silver medalist. Yes, he did. I mean, yeah, he did. pretty big and accomplishment. I think that was probably their biggest, their biggest wrestler, um, their biggest uh, – most credentialed wrestler. Yeah, I mean, that, it was it was the marquee event. I think it was the last match of the night, obviously, so it was kind of the main event. But yeah. um, I don't know. I didn't get to catch it live. I went back and watched it. Unfortunately, um, you know, <laughs> there's this thing called uh, uh, fatherhood that I'm forced to act as a taxi cab, driving my kids all over God's green earth to baseball games and gymnastics and all that other bull crap that just gets in the way of wrestling. Just watch it on your phone, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, would love to. But um, I did get to go back and watch it. I thought it was some great wrestling. It, I want to go to this event someday. There's just something that would about be sweet. A, an elevated platform in the center of Times Square, which is one of the most visited tourist destinations in the entire world. I think I read something where there's like close to 400,000 people that visit Times Square every single day. So yeah. imagine a wrestling match going on in the middle of Times Square at night. I mean, I was watching the matches. There's freaking taxi cabs yeah. driving back and forth, you know, homeless dudes probably screaming about where's my shoe and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Sorry, that's a throwback to the NCAA that's a, yeah, tournament. A little inside joke there. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's great pub for wrestling, right? I think, you know, I, I was doing some Googling of it, and you see, like, Rooters or uh, not so much this year because it was Japan, but when they wrestled Russia or Iran, you know, where there's actually our country's kind of in conflict with these other countries, but you grow together through wrestling. You see a lot of um, national uh, publications picking up art- or picking up and writing articles about that. So it's great pub for wrestling, I think. Oh, I, I agree completely. Um, so, look, aside from United States taking on Japan, there was also an exhibition match between um, one of the best wrestlers in the world, uh, Frank Ch- um Chimizo. Oh, yeah, Frank Chimizo yeah. versus uh, Jordan Oliver. Right. Yeah, Chimizo took third. Uh, he took bronze this, at the Olympics this past year. He's the one right. that beat uh, Molinero when Molinero was like a second away from putting his knee down. And then he won the Worlds the year before. Yeah, 2015 world champ, 2016 Olympic bronze medalist. Um, dude, can dude that match was exciting. That match was real fun. Did you see that first double that uh, that uh, J.O. hit on him? I did. It was like almost like a backside Whoop! double or yeah. something. It was really well, I think nice. That he got Chimizo stepping in on him. You know, and with his arms kind of up, and then just, it was just perfectly timed. You know, I'll say this. I, 
people talk about moral victories in sports. If there ever was a moral victory, I would say this was a moral victory for Jordan Oliver because he had Chimizo on the ropes. Um, uh, he he, he should have beat. He could have had him beat. He, he gave it away. He, he, he did. got reversed. Well, he got reversed. He, he scored that takedown, got that leg lace, and I stopped wrestling. I think they only he gave st- him two on that. He stopped wrestling, kind of looked up, and then got reversed. But that should tell Jo that look, you're capable of wrestling with anybody in your weight class in the world right now. Yeah, but and there's but there's a thing. I mean, so so is Frank Molinero, right? So we've got two guys that you know might be able to make some noise at the at the, uh, the world level at the same weight in the United States, and that's great. I mean, that's great depth. Yeah, I'm still going to give the edge right now to J.O. just for the fact, A, I mean, look, I, the, he's got to make the team first, but he's, he's got the privilege of sitting, in the, sitting to the finals. It's a big advantage. Um, and I said this on the last episode, if any of our guys at 65 kilograms um, style translates very well against international wrestlers, I think it's J.O.'s. I think J.O.'s style translates very well because he's got such a diverse offense um, and he's very athletic. I'm not so sure about his parterre game yet. I haven't got to see it very much. Yeah, um, I'm not sure he's got a ton of parterre, parterre on top. But he showed against Chimizo that he's got multiple attacks that are going to work against these top-level international guys. Here's where I'm concerned about Jordan Oliver on the international scene. He doesn't stay in the center very well. He circles a ton. Chimizo, if you watched it, Chimizo controlled the center of that entire match. Um, Jordan Oliver was kind of you know circling around, circling out, which is fine in folk style. But in freestyle, I tell you what, they're going to hit you for passivity a ton on that. And Look, they're just waiting to hit a United States wrestler for passivity in the international styles. So that's what I'm concerned about. He doesn't engage in the center as much. He stays off. That's where he most of his offense isn't from ties, uh, you know, and he, he likes to play the edge a little bit. And, you know, it was very apparent in uh, this match against Chimizo. And that's what concerns me about him internationally. And it's not so much his technical wrestling ability as it's, hey, you got to get your ass in the center because Chimizo controlled that center, and I was surprised that J.O., even though he was offensive, wasn't put on the clock, uh, from my recollection, um, because because of the fact that he was so you know circling outside the center. So that's, I agree with you that he's got some offensive prowess that can score on these international guys. Same with Frank Molinero, and hell, same with Zane Rutherford. Um, we can get on a Zane in yeah, a second, man. I yeah, got some but, comments about that. I, he he might be the future, or it might be the future. He might it might be his time. And I I told you it wasn't a couple of weeks ago, but after watching him uh, beat the streets. But anyways, to kind of finish up on Jo, did you see that second double he hit on Chimizo? Yeah, he hit it, and the dude just it, it was like he hit a wall. Yeah, he just stopped, and that's what they referenced on um uh, when on on the um on the feed when you were watching it. But I went back and watched it again. I was like, oh, my God. Because it was a sweet double. Chimizo just stood still. He had his legs and spread apart enough. Like, just kind of no. bounced off of him. Like, Chimizo's well, fun well, to watch, work. man. It's funny you like say a, that. Go ahead. Because it was really weird. Like, when the match first started, you know, Chimizo was treating it like it was an exhibition match a little bit. You know, kind of yeah. be a little lackadaisical, just kind of filling him out. Muhammad Ali-ish. Yeah. Just kind of, like, dancing around having J-O a good time. Ca- J.O. got that sweet double leg takedown on him. And then Whoop. from there, it was like, Chimizo was just like, oh. Oh, so this is how it's going to be. Well, let me show you how I won my world championships and, and how I got that. Sweet high crotches, metal. backside high crotches and stuff. <laughs> he's, he's he's slick. He's dirty. He's good. I, I want you. He trained um, a couple weeks ago in New York with uh, yep. Steber and that. Yeah, he yeah he he seems like he's kind of a star, you know. Oh, he's a rock star. That's that's what they were saying. Like. um he seems like he's kind of a star. I like that. We like need that. we need personalities like that in wrestling. We need personalities like that for USA wrestling. Yeah, we got Jo's got a nice personality. You know, he's dude. He's got Jo has sweet hair. If I had hair, I want it to look like Jo's. Yeah, well, uh, I don't think it's gonna happen. That's a sweet mohawk, though. It's like a, <laughs> kind of like a fro hawk. You don't think I have a chance? No, I don't think your hair texture is a fro, dude. I even got hair. <laughs> if you did, I don't think it's a fro. Um, no, so he he did look good. It did nothing but make me think that he's definitely a legit contender because beforehand, you know, he's finished second in team trials or Olympic Three trials. Three years in a row. Yeah. And um, it makes me think now that he's definitely got a shot. He's, you know, he's probably the favorite because he's going to be sitting in the finals. But, dude, there's two contenders there that I really like. And I like uh, Frank Molinero. And, I know you're high on and, him. And I love now, love Zane Rutherford. And let's just get to his match because, holy crap, is that dude – so he wrestled a dude from Japan who's a junior world bronze and a cadet world bronze. So legit wrestler. For sure, for sure. Takatani, I think, is his name. After watching that match, I made the decision that if I had to choose one person in all of wrestling right now that I do not want to wrestle, <laughs> it's 
Zane Rutherford. I just I don't want to wrestle him. I don't ever want to step foot on a mat with him. I don't want to see him. I don't want to come near him while he's in wrestling shoes in a singlet because he's he's mean. Man. He hurts people. He's mean. He hurts me. <laughs> it hurts me watching. It hurts him. my soul. I was hurting for Takatani. Dude, he took Takatani down with I think it was a sweep. And then just had a boot in, and then it was just like, I'm just going to rip your head off. Not your face, not your neck, your head. Like, he's grabbing the dude, like, two fingers up the nose and covering his mouth, and it's like, I'm going to rip you over, man. So he does that bow and arrow tilt in in college wrestling, but he's got... He's got to be kind of a delicate with it, especially the the arm that's around the neck or the head. Yeah. But in freestyle, dude, it's like, look, I got your leg, oh. and I'm going to choke the shit out of you with this arm, and I'm going to turn you while you're screaming, and I'm going to wink at your mama, wink at your girlfriend, I'm going to whisper sweet nothings in your ear. Dude. No, so, I mean, I don't know how gentle he is with, in college, dude. When he put it on Micah Jordan and he grabbed Micah's, bad, grabbed Micah's foot on his bad knee— and then ripped yeah, you it over. You weren't too happy about that. Dude, I, well, I mean, I, I didn't think it was cheap or anything, but I was like, come on, man, you're already beating him up. <laughs> now you got to go for the bad knee? Come on. And he's just ruthless, dude. I mean, he is, he's an amazing wrestler. And his, his attacks on his feet, his single leg, he's, he hits like an, uh, kind of an old-school-style sweep single that yeah. a lot of people don't hit anymore. It is a beautiful shot. And he was able to um, come out the back on one of his shots. Like, kind of like he was about to get um, chest-wrapped. And whoop, he slips his head right underneath the leg. Just great technique. Now, he got chest wrapped the second time. But the first time, he was able to adapt during the um, during the position, which is huge, to be able to adapt during a position. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell you what, I, I don't know if he's not the guy. Look, I don't think he's going to be the guy this year. Just for the simple fact of the, the clear advantage that someone has of sitting to the finals. And also, to be the guy this year, not only does he have to go through J.O., he's going to have to go through Molinero, too, most likely. So that's a yeah. tough road to hoe. Or okay? Jimmy Kennedy, one or, of those or, two, or, yeah, right? I mean, it's a tough road to hoe. But listen, um, I, I think Zane is going to be the future at this weight, depending on what the weights eventually end up being. Um, I don't that's know how that's going to shake things up. But he's good. And... One thing I noticed also watching this, the Beat the Streets is, look, it was obvious Japan was outmatched. They were outmatched, oh, outclassed, yeah. at least from the men's aspect. But Especially the heavier weights. For sure. Oh, my God. But have you noticed lately, like, so back in the, the 80s and maybe even the early 90s, like one of the best things that USA wrestlers had for them was their aggressiveness and their gas tank. And I think we had a lot of success back then because of that. And then changes were made to the rules yep. that kind of negated that advantage that we had during, for a long time period. But for whatever reason, whether it's rule changes again or whether it's the, the, the crop of wrestlers that we have, the depth of wrestling that we have Our right adaption now, as well to the adap- rules. Yes. We are punishing people by wearing them out. I mean, look, look at the guy that Zane wrestled. wrestled. When that match was over, that guy did not want to get off the mat. Even Chimizo, when when that match was over, he was breathing I mean, real Chimizo heavy, man. Did not want to get off. No, I have some notes here, and actually, one of them said that, uh, um, you know, he uh, he has a great uh, uh, Jo has a solid gas tank and was able to wear Chimizo down. You know, that's a great note, Ben. You know, I like to point out my notes, <laughs> and then I wrote, "Could make some noise at Worlds." <laughs> I can just read my notes on our podcast if that's what you want me to do. Ben's hot take for the day. <laughs> J.O. can make noise. some noise at the Worlds. No, I just said at Worlds. I'm not going to write the. Come on. I'm just typing it out. <laughs> um, you know, did you watch uh, Victoria Anthony versus uh, Erie? I did. So Erie is a junior world uh, gold medalist, right? Mm-hmm. And But Anthony's a two-time junior world gold medalist is my understanding. So um, – Anthony looked really outmatched in that in that match. I don't know what you think about that. I know that you know it ended up being ten to six, and I guess previously uh, uh, Yuki Iri pinned her. So you know people are kind of touting. All right, that was a, yeah, it was it was nice that she's closing the gap. She gave up five takedowns, and I mean she gave up a single leg like it was real close off the or real quick. Gave up a high crotch. Gave up a beautiful double. You, I was looking for a little more from Anthony. Um, you know, after her uh, great performance um, at the World Team Trials. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that I was t- terribly imp- – now, she did hit two inside trips. Whoop! Yeah, so, you know, we like that. But I'm not sure I was terribly impressed with the way she wrestled against uh, Erie. What do you think? I, I think you you kind of alluded to it a bit earlier. I th- She made progress from the last time she wrestled her, okay? Um, we all know that, you know, women's wrestling – you know, Japanese women's wrestling is kind of the pinnacle of women's wrestling. Um, they're very deep. They're very good. Um, uh, Victoria Anthony in her own right is extremely good as well. Um, 
she made progress in this match. I I don't think she wrestled bad. And I didn't see a lot in that match that that tells me that it can't be flipped in the future or that she can't continue to improve on that in the future. Um, I'm not down. I'm not down about it at all. Um, see, I disagree with you, though, that I'm not saying it can't be flipped, but she give, was giving up takedowns too easy, in my opinion. You know, it wasn't like there was a ton of fight. Like, let's let, you know, let's battle in some positions. You know, there's positions, obviously there's positions in freestyle if somebody's in and in, in on a leg where you're going to bail because you don't want to give up. I mean, you can give up five or you can give up, or excuse me, four. Give up then, the two before you give up four yeah, or five. Yeah, four, four or get cut with, caught with a like, trapped armor and a lace. Sure. But to me, it looked like she didn't battle in any positions. She gave, she bellied down, you know, and so I, maybe you, that was just great do you shots. Think, do you think that Anthony was respecting her opponent a little too much? You know, I don't know. Um, yes and no. You know, that was something that Jenna Burkett had brought up when our, in our previous conversation with her uh, on the podcast is that, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong or whatever, she said kind of that we weren't wrestling or we kind of respected the, the, the Japanese women so much that it was like we weren't really going out there to wrestle. And, you know, Erie did pin Anthony. Okay, if you're getting – if you get stuck, you know, quickly in a match, maybe next time you're looking for another moral victory – so she, maybe she did respect her a little too much, but I guess what I'm saying is that I didn't see enough defensively. I didn't see enough fight in the defensive positions from her that made me think, all right, I'm feeling real good about this matchup next time. Yeah, she caught her in two inside trips. That's her best move. You're telling me that— She's good at it, You're too. telling me— you're, yeah, She's amazing at it. She's an amazing wrestler. But Erie's going to scout that. Not that she hadn't before, but now she's got the feel of it. You know, and Erie just looked great on her feet. I don't know, man. Look, we could probably argue this until we're blue in the face. The great thing is, I think she made a progress from the last time she wrestled her. I don't think this is going to be the last time she sees her. I think Victoria Anthony is one of the top, you know, can be one of the top wrestlers in the world at her weight class. Um, She's going to get a chance to prove it at the World Championship. So maybe we'll see something more at that time. Fair. You know what the best part about Beat the Streets was? Tell me. Robbie Smith's shirt. What, um, was he wearing a cutoff American flag shirt? I love it. Was that what it was? Yes. I just saw pictures. God. Yes. That, like, dude is a, that dude is a ham. Like, you know what I'm saying? It was awesome. He did such a great job kind of being the MC for that. Like, no joke. They need to give him a microphone at the NCAA championships and just have him walk around mat to mat oh, talking man. about stuff, talking to the crowds, and he's got to wear that shirt. He, he, uh, he's one I'm hoping that can get a medal here coming up at the, at the world, uh, Worlds for, for Greco. Has he ever meddled? I know uh, no, he's, he's been not. a long-standing member on our world. Correct. Teams, world no, I don't, teams. Think he's, I don't think he's ever meddled. I didn't think so. Um, did you watch Marulis versus uh, Kumano? I did not. So this this girl, I did. This girl Kumano, she's a junior world uh, uh, gold medalist. Mm-hmm. Helen Marulis, first time kind of up a weight at fifty eight. No, not first time, but she's been up a weight a couple times for international competition. She won seven to four. Now two of those points were. Um, uh, caution and two for finger locking. Mm-hmm. So they, they, you know, so they hit her caution and two, and then she gave up a takedown, a double leg kind of at the end. She almost gave up a double leg at the end of the first period. Um, this Kamanu girl, she was big, she was physical, and she had obviously, you know, she's a junior world gold medalist, had some uh, great skill. I thought Helen looked good up two weights, but I'm still the jury's still out for me on how she's going to perform at the world level up two weights. She definitely seemed to. Struggle a little bit more when she gets in on leg attacks than she normally does. Now, she's finishing them, and she's finishing them on Junior World uh, Gold Medalists. But against the best of the best, I'm not sure if she's not going to be a little outsized because it definitely looked like it definitely looked like it took a little extra effort to finish compared mm-hmm. to when she was at 53 kilograms. Now, we're talking, you know, over 10 pounds difference now in weight compared to what she was at. Sure. I got no concerns right now, and, and, and I'm just going to basically put it put it one way if she's having more difficulty finishing going up two weight classes yet she's still finishing and still winning matches handily i'm not that concerned about it right now until proven otherwise i I don't think there's a reason to be concerned she won the world team spot um in dominating fashion um she went out against a very very formidable japan opponent oh an amazing exactly and you know won the match you know the it it was probably worse than what the score indicated indicated based on the finger locking yeah um so no i have no concerns right now at all maybe i'm just being a little oversensitive about our girls team right now because i'm expecting i'm expecting a ton from them this year 
So oh, for sure. Yeah. But I, I think until proven otherwise, I think she's going to be fine. I think she's you know. Uh, even when she won the gold medal at the Olympics, I think right now, from what I've seen and watching her over the last, you know, four or five months, she's she's wrestling as well as ever. I mean, she's wrestling great. Look look at how she won the world team spot. She in does dominating yeah. fashion. She looks loose. You she know, does. Which she looks is like good, she's having fun. Which is good. Taking a deep breath. You know. Absolutely. Um, so I'm not very you know too concerned with it right now. I think it's going to be fun watching her at the world championships. Um, she's it, it is going to be a challenge for her, like you said, going up two weight classes, but. Until and, until we have reason to worry, I'm not worried sure. about this one. Yeah, all right. You know where I do? We do have reason to worry. I don't know where. Sixty-one kilograms for the men's team. Why? Look, I love Logan Stever. Okay. All right, he's one of our favorites, but he just got engaged. Oh, okay. oh you're pulling that out, huh? I am. I, I look. I am. Look. I'm saying congratulations, we all know. Logan. Look, congrats, congrats. Look, there's more to life than wrestling. Congrats, Logie. We love you. No, we not, love you. not for our team. There shouldn't be. For but us, I'm going to tell you life. this. We all know that the demise of every great man has been a woman. Okay? <laughs> I thought that's the opposite of what we're supposed to say. <laughs> you know, he got engaged <laughs> before Beat the Streets, you know, in New York City. Yeah. And I get a text from a buddy that says, shit, his career's over. Yeah, we're <laughs> and You screwed. know what? I'm a little concerned. No, but seriously, congrats, Logan, on the, the engagement. But come on, man. Engagement in New York City, how cliche. It was probably at oh, some you know, romantic spot like you know Rockefeller Center, Times Square, maybe, maybe Central Park. Look, do you realize how many people a day get engaged in New York City? You needed to take that girl back to Monroeville, Ohio. I heard it was the Hooters on 119th Street. No. <laughs> Shut up. That's where I heard. Shut up. Like he got a bucket of wings and a pitcher of beer. And he was like, hey, let's no. I'm not serious. <laughs> you needed to take her back to Monroeville, Ohio, put on your old high school warm up <laughs> in the gym he'd probably on the to, wrestling mat. He'd probably have to wear Chris Phillips warm up. He's got a little bigger. <laughs> Whatever. No, but seriously, congrats to him, man. No, I think he's good. You know, after you get married and then start popping out kids, that's when, you know. I'll tell you what, his, uh, that, his match didn't look like he had any trouble. No, he, he, he's fine. He's, he's got great. He's good. You think I'm being serious? No, I love it. But I do. I tell you what, though, he is vulnerable at Worlds, just the way he wrestles. You know, well, he's a gunslinger. It, he won his world title by two takedowns in the last like yeah. second each time. So for people to say that he's a guaranteed gold medalist, look, we both love Logan Steber more than you know a lot of the country just because of his Ohio State ties. Um, so I'm expecting a medal. But to sit here and say he's a guaranteed gold medalist. Mm. No, I wouldn't say it's guaranteed, and, and it has to do with the style. Look, part of what makes him so great to watch is his style. It's that gunslinger style. Yeah, and I'll trade that all day. It's almost a guarantee that he's going to put up over eight points a match, but he's going to give up over eight points a match too. And a lot of that has nothing to do with his opponent initiating attacks. It's the way Logan wrestles. He, he did a, um, an interview with, um, um, with uh, T-Row and Funky Show, uh, Ben Askren. It was really good, so I'd suggest you guys go out and listen to it. Uh, Logan did kind of talk about that, his style, and he's like, I'm not changing it. I'm not changing he it. He shouldn't. No. Um, so what do you think about, uh, I think, kind of the last match? Then we just go on and just beat the hell out of everybody. Um, Jordan Burroughs versus uh, Takatani. Uh, he beat him 9-2. to two. And This is a returning world uh, silver medalist. So my main thoughts from that match was I thought Jordan Burroughs looked really loose Really quick, yep, and really good. Great footwork, now, he, exactly. We we didn't see like the major blast doubles and that type of explosiveness, but we didn't need to. He looked so good and so loose. Um, I like you said, his footwork was phenomenal. Um, his defense was great in that match. It was good. It was um, very good. His hand fighting was excellent. It, yes, and, and after watching that match, it, I, I I you know I stopped watching that match thinking this guy can win another world championship this year. You know. Not, I agree with you. You know, I, I if he wrestles like that against, presumably it will be Kyle Dake at the real team, you know, trials. That'd be my guess. If he wrestles like that, wrestles loose like that, they can't beat him. He looked great, man. Bros looked great there. And now people were a little concerned. And, you know, I was, I'm not going to say I wasn't either when it went, went into the period at 1-1 at the end of the first period. Uh, but Burroughs just really... You know, and it wasn't like he took him down and leg laced him, right, and ended it. And we're like, oh, no. you know, we don't know. He caught him maybe with a really good single leg that ended up in a lace. He took him down with multiple different attacks. He defended pretty well. Actually, you defended pretty darn well. Now, he gave up a push out during one thing. 
But you, and we've said this ad nauseum, and everybody said this ad nauseum. We're not going to see the blast double as much anymore. Now he he kind of hit one against Takatani. It was it was a little sideways blast double, you know, like a single leg where he ended up with both legs. But he is um, adapting. You know, a lot of people are calling. A lot of people are saying that his game is evolving. I wouldn't say it's evolving as so much as it's adapting. It's adapting to a different skill set. You know, he doesn't have the same skill set anymore, but he's got other skills that he's going to be able to use. And his wrestling acumen is top notch. So it's not just because you lose a double doesn't mean that you can't add a single leg or add a beautiful snap go behind. And, and he hasn't lost that double by any means. Don't don't for one second think he's lost his double. I think he put it best. You know, he made the comment that he's probably one of the most scouted wrestlers in the world right now. Yeah. And that's the absolute truth. And look, Takatani. Is a great opponent. He's a world silver medalist, and he's a good wrestler in general. Did you watch him yeah, wrestle? He, he, he can he, wrestle. He's real a well. very good wrestler. And let, let's be real about it. Takatani wasn't very engaging in that match either. He was more, you know, uh, he was more um, content with, you know, lots of fakes, kind of keeping his distance from JB. Yeah, very much, you know, being on the defensive in that match, and that, that's why I think you know the end of the first period was one to one. Good point. Until the, JB kind of got to him. JB, you know, kept at it. Again, it goes back to that wrestling acumen um, and blew the match open in the second period. I, I, after watching that match, I mean, any doubts or concerns that I had of Burroughs, you know, especially after his World Cup performance, um, after his performance against Dake at the, um, at the U.S. Open, I, I don't really have those concerns right now, but he's got to wrestle that way. Well, let's look at the last two people he beat. He beat Kyle Dake, who, for all intents and purposes, is a world-level threat. I don't care what anybody says. I agree. The guy's a world-level threat. And then he goes and beats Takatani, who's a world, a world silver medalist, who, when, if you watched him wrestle, Takatani is a very, uh, a very skilled wrestler, has some very good offense on his feet, was able to stop some of Jordan's uh, shots. And I don't think that that was because Jordan doesn't have those great shots anymore. I think it's because Takatani's just, just a good wrestler. So I agree with you. I think JB and Kyle Dake are going to freaking battle. Um, yeah, it's nice that it's nice for Jordan that he gets to sit in the finals. I'll yeah, tell you that much right it's now. It's such a huge advantage. It's such a huge advantage, and we'll get more into this on pro, you know a, oh, a later podcast absolutely. regarding the world team trials and whatnot. But um, to sum it up for me, after watching that match, you know, I'll say it again: like JB is just fine. I don't think he's lost a step at all. Um, I think he's just had to kind of adapt his style to the way people are adapting their style against him. That's a good point. He's adapting based off of. The way people are adapting. Exactly. That's a really good point. Uh, now, we can, we can argue whether or not we thought he lost a step or not, but either way, I think adaption is key there. Word. If I could just say one last thing about Beat the Streets New York, it's this. Dude, we got to get there some year. We got to get there, get a ticket, and watch it live. You know, unless you're going to bail on me for that like you did the real team trials. Oh, come on, man. That's messed up. <laughs> just <laughs> Super kidding. messed up. All right, dude. Um... Can we talk a little bit about Iowa? We haven't talked about Iowa a whole lot, and I think we need That's to. That's on purpose. I think we need to. Okay. You don't like talking. You don't like Iowa. No, I like Iowa. You I do? like Iowa well enough. I, my favorite documentary about wrestling ever is the, um, the season with Iowa. That's an awesome documentary. You only deserve what you earn. Yep. So Mark Perry leaving Illinois to go back to his alma mater, Iowa, to take over the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. What are your thoughts, man? That's happening. Uh, I think it's, I think it's the the evolution of what's gonna what's going on in the sport right now. It's an arms race, like we've said many times, and people are throwing around big money to try to keep up. Don't tell me that Mark Perry's there if Iowa State doesn't go and grab Metcalf, Zadick, and St. John, and Dresser. I, I mean, I think that's a good point. I, I think Mark Perry going back to Iowa makes so much sense for so many reasons and I think it's I personally feel or see this having a huge impact on them but one of the things that it tells me most of all is that you know I think when the Brands Brothers went back to take over Iowa's coaches what's it been you know five six years it's been a while something like that I think that. it's been a little it might even been longer than that, that maybe man. seven years I don't know um, no it's been yeah it's been because Brands went back um, Brands went back uh before Dresser got hired at Virginia Tech. Because Brands at Virginia Tech, we're talking like 12, 13 years or 10 years or so. Well, didn't Dresser take over Virginia Tech because Brands went back? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, and Dresser was there for 10 years. Was he really? Yeah. Has it been that long? Yeah. God, I'm getting old. I know, right? <laughs> it was like three years ago when Brands <laughs> took over. We're like, dude, we were at the NCAAs then. No, Selesky wasn't there. He's coaching Oregon State, man. <laughs> All right, well, 
anyway, I digress. Um, look, I think when the Brands went back and took over as head coaches at Iowa, you know, they had a they had a lot of success in the first couple of years for a multitude of reasons, and people can debate it all day long. But I think in the early years, the Brands brothers were very stoic. They it was their way or the highway. They they were not very flexible. They weren't going to make changes. They thought that what they were doing was right no matter what. Um, and, I mean, and who could argue with them at the time? They had such great success right. the first few years. But then since then, we've seen this evolution kind of you've seen, you know, Penn State reemerge as one of the most dominant programs of all time. All time. Um, yeah. You've seen teams like Ohio State really going all out, building their RTC, having a lot of success with individual wrestlers, even, you know, multiple Big Ten titles, a national championship team. Um You've got teams like right now. You got Iowa State reinvesting back into their program, you know, and obviously you've got other programs: Cornell, Missouri's, you know, Virginia Tech, you know, rebounded just fine. Okie State's Okie still, State, still good, exactly. But I think what you're seeing is the Brands Brothers being more flexible now. They're trying; they're starting to evolve with these other programs. You, you have they, to be exactly, um, and I think that's dangerous. I, for I think that can be a very dangerous thing for the other programs. You know, the, the thing is though, has has Iowa lost its luster? Has the na- has the thought of wrestling for Iowa lost its luster? Is it now wrestling for Penn State is like what it was for wrestling for Iowa back in the eighties and nineties? That's the question that I have. I understand that there's a concern there. Look, the problem is Iowa's always had the support of the state. Iowa's always had the support of the school. It's just that other schools are now starting to do that as well. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, but in the past six months, I think Iowa has been doing a lot of things kind of under the radar that's been overshadowed by some of these other programs like Penn State, Iowa State. Well, tell new, me about that. The new hires that you know Virginia Tech made and whatnot. For one, I think in the last few months alone, they've probably fundraised close to $500,000. Yeah, I've, I've heard the numbers up really high. It might, it might even be more than that. I've heard it was a couple million because I think they're building a, a new wrestling facility. Okay, okay. So, so even more. So, um, you know – they're getting – obviously, they're, they're getting the support of the state of Iowa. They are raising that money. They're bringing in a guy like Mark Perry. Yeah. They are – you know, they have the number two or number one recruiting class this year for 2017, depending on which publication. I think Flo has them as the number two recruiting class. Now, a lot of that is based off of two major recruits and Spencer Lee and Jacob Warner. Um, yeah. I think they had three top – like three really high recruits this year. Um, I think Cornell's number one, but they got Spencer Lee, Warner, Max Murin, and Alex uh, Costello are uh, all top 100 recruits. That's four top 100 recruits coming in. That's a great recruiting class, especially when you get a guy like Spencer Lee, who's a three-time world champion. He's probably going to be a lifer at 125, which is so valuable in today's age in college wrestling. Huge. Um, Jacob Warner is one of the top recruits for a 197-pounder, especially um, when it's hard to find dominant big men at that weight class. Don't forget about Alex Marinelli. You know, correct. I mean, you got Alex Marinelli coming out of red shirt. People talk about did Iowa fall off and why did they fall off? Did they fall off because of the reemergence of Penn State? Did they fall off because Ohio State, you know, is is building a great program? Whatever it may be. I think there was a statistic out there and it might have came from Flow Wrestling and it was something along the lines like oh, Iowa had a phenomenal recruiting class in 2012. That included, you know, Gilman, Sammy Brooks, Clark, Corey right? Clark, Alex Meyer. Um, I think Nathan Burak might have been in that recruiting class as well because I don't think Burak ever redshirted. No, because he took like an Olympic or he went to the o- OTC for a while. Possibly. Um, they had five All-Americans in that recruiting class out of those five guys. All five it's guys. Hell of a recruiting yes. class. The next two years, their recruiting classes combined only for one All-American, and that was Brandon Sorensen. Mm. Okay? I didn't know that. So th- that right there will cause a, a program that's as you know, historically dominant as, as a program like Iowa to, to struggle. Because if you're, if you're not bringing in the recruits, I don't care who you are, what program you're in. Or if you're, you're missing on some recruits, or if you're right? Miss- that's, exactly. I think that's the biggest sure. thing. Is like, you're not going to hit on every one of them, but don't, only hit on one All-American over two years is – Crazy for Iowa. Right. So it might be some bad luck. So from 2012, they produced five All-Americans out of that recruiting class. 2013, 2014, just one All-American and Brandon Sorensen. That's going to have a lot to do with what's happening today. And if you think about it, even with that, they were still winning trophies at the national tournament with the exception of one year. Yeah. Okay? So now you, you bring in this top recruiting class. You bring in a guy like Mark Perry, who I think is going to have a long-term impact on that program. Now, he's taking over the Hawkeye Wrestling Club, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. 
I don't. I think it's just a matter of time before. I don't know. I don't want to call Iowa a sleeping giant. They're not a sleeping giant. They already are a giant. But yeah. I think that what they're doing is going to pay off huge dividends in the near future. Well, look at this uh, recruiting class from this year. Okay, what I think that is really smart is that you know none of their top guys, uh, except for Costello's from Iowa. And I'm not knocking Iowa wrestling, but the state is small. It's super invested in wrestling, right? But there's not going to be as many recruits that are going to be top notch just because Absolutely. the high school or the high school landscape isn't as big. But if you're bringing in two of your top recruits are from PA and another one from Illinois, that's smart. Start recruiting other states. I tell you what, that's that's going to be scary. I, I agree completely. To me, that shows the Brands Brothers getting outside, kind of not getting outside their comfort zone, but being adaptable, being flexible, realizing that, hey, look, we're going to have to make changes to keep up with these other programs. I like it. I like it as a wrestling fan. As an Ohio State fan, it makes me nervous. Sure, sure. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, you know what? That's, that's, that's smart on them to start recruiting PA, start recruiting Ohio with Marinelli. You know, it, not to say that those are the those are obviously the two top states, but there's a ton of other states that are really good at wrestling as well, and they're going to still grab their guys from Iowa as well too. And I think here's another thing: they're going to need to show that they can continue to develop wrestlers that they bring in that maybe aren't the top recruits. Like, how about Cash Money Mil- Wilkie? He he steps in. Nobody really knows who the hell he is. All he does this year is make the round of twelve, almost all American. You know, for so sure. That's that's another. You know, that's another feather in their cap is if they can start developing wrestlers that aren't the top-level wrestlers as well. Yeah, and I think going back to the Mark Perry hiring as well to take over that Hawkeye Wrestling Club, I think Mark Perry is going to have a huge advantage on attracting guys to come out and train at the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. He, if, if nothing else, he's shown to be a great recruiter, right? Yeah, absolutely. He, you know, he, he brought his uh, – so he graduated from Iowa. He went and coached, I think, at Penn State? I think. Did he go Penn State, Cal Poly, then Illinois, or Cal Poly, Penn State, then Illinois? I think it was Penn State. Then he got the head job at Cal Poly. He was not, no, not the head job. He was not the, the assistant job at Cal Poly. Right. And then, and then went and left and went, and went to uh, Illinois. As the associate and, yep, coach. Because when he was out of Cal Poly, he made some ties because he brought Delgado with him yep. and Imar. Correct. And that shows you, you know, what's going to happen with Imar now? People are, you know, starting to talk. Imar is going to finish out at Illinois. Well, Imar can't transfer. Yeah, if I he mean, can't transfer. He'd be cool. done unless unless Heffernan wanted to release him, which is, is not going to happen. Well, there's a Big Ten rule that says no matter what, oh, you good. can't transfer yep. within the Big Ten. Great point. Great point. He already redshirted. Correct. Um, so so Imar, I mean, he's he's going to be there, right? So, but after the fact, does Imar go out to the Hawkeye Wrestling Club to train? I'd say yeah. I mean, that would make sense to me if he's that close to Perry. Then uh, that's Boom. what I'm talking about. Now you're starting now you're to get dragging these guys. some people. Okay, in. now you're looking at recruits. You know, you're recruiting these high school guys to come out to wrestle for you. Well, hey, come on out. We got guys like Isaiah Martinez here. Oh, by the way, a couple of other things that, that went unnoticed. I think it was very big for them to get guys like Thomas Gilman, Corey Clark, and Sammy Brooks to stay home and to compete for the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. That's huge because Thomas Gilman. He, I think he just won the last chance qualifier, right? He did. That, look, down six to nothing and comes back to win seven. Who is he to down six. to? Uh, <laughs> big De- smack, DeShazer. DeShazer, he was down to DeShazer. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised he didn't get slapped. Uh, if there's one guy that DeShazer's not going to smack, it's Thomas Gilman. Well, Tayrow did, and you saw what happened. Yeah, that wasn't pretty. <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing about Thomas Gilman, bro. He he ain't no slouch. He didn't go to the last chance qualifier just because you know he couldn't go anywhere else. That just fit in with his schedule. That dude has never lost to Nathan Tomasello in freestyle, from from what I can understand. Um, I don't want to hear that. But what I'm trying to tell you is he ain't going to be a rollover at the – No. You know, I bet you – shit, I bet you he could be Ramos. I don't no. know. No, I don't see that right now. We'll debate that another time. We'll talk about that when we talk but, real team trials. But I think but, he will be a player. Exactly. I, but I'm – oh, for sure. Wait, are Clark and him going to be at the same weight and they're both – God, we're going to have another no, freaking Clark Ramos. Clark will be at 61. Okay. Clark's going to be at 61. I was going to say we're going to have another Ramos-Dennis uh, situation. <laughs> no, Clark will be at 61. But anyway, look – just to kind of sum this up, I think Iowa's done a lot of great things the last few months that have kind of gone, I don't want to say unnoticed, but overshadowed by, um, hey, let's just move into the next team, Penn State, what they're doing. Is there any Real flipping quick. recruits that are not going to go to Penn State? <laughs> can, can we stop? Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, so they just picked up um, um, M- Michael Beard, right? Yeah, he's one of them. And Verclaren. Oh, yeah. Ver- or Verclaren. Verclaren, yeah. So Okay, so let's look at this then. Penn State, their 2018 recruiting class. Yeah, they have five of the top ten. Five of the top ten, including Gavin Teasdale. That's a flip. A flip, yep. Beard, flip. Flip. From, um, from uh, Northwestern. 
and then they have Whitlake, Nevels, and Roman Bravo Young. Roman Bravo, who I don't, and I don't think is going to end up there. Oh, and by the way, they got Joe Lee, who just happens to be the number thirty-seven recruit from Pennsylvania. Yeah, and that's the, that's the two thousand eighteen recruiting class. Let's go to the two thousand seventeen recruiting class with Nick Lee, Brady Berge, and uh, Jacob Verclaren. Dude, which is ranked third. It's not even so they've fun. Got, they've got the third ranked recruiting class for two thousand seventeen. Which is a down year, obviously for them. Yes. and and then there's no way they got the third ranked recruiting class, but on three guys. Yeah, three top twenty guys in one class, and then the next year they've got five guys in the top ten. That's number one ranked recruiting class, a hundred percent. Unless one other team gets all of the other ones, which I think they probably already committed somewhere else. Now I think Roman Bravo Young. I'm not sure he's going to stay there because he committed before Teasdale flipped, right? He did. Yeah, but- he's from Arizona. He is from Arizona. I'm th- I'm, I, I, he would be. He would look good in uh, Arizona State singlet. He would look good in Ohio State singlet too, though. I don't <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, and, and uh, in case you're listening, uh, un- unsigned Joey Silva. You know we like you if you want to go to Ohio State. God, Silva's good. He is good. We'll get into that later. But, Who just um, beat the crap out of him though? Oh, it was DeSanto. When? He like teched him. Where? I don't know. It was some random tournament. The dude that's going to Drexel. Just some random – you can't just say that. Did you just make this shit No, up? I swear to God he beat Silva. Oh, I still like Maybe him. I'm wrong. Maybe I'm – Oh, wrong. flip. Here we go. All right, you keep talking. I'm going to look it up. I don't know what to say now. We're talking about Penn State domination. Do you think it's good for college wrestling what Penn State's doing right now? Uh, that's a – they did wrestle uh, somewhere. Anyways, do I think it's good for college wrestling? <sighs> Well, part of me says yes, because I think it's always good to have a team that you're chasing. And I think it's always good to have a team. Who who wrote this? It might have been um, it might have been uh, who's the dude that writes for Intermat? Foley. Foley. T. R. Foley. Yeah. It's good to have a team that you're chasing. It's good to have it for publicity's sake, right? Storylines. Yeah. Every time I talk to somebody and talk about how much you know, like somebody that doesn't have anything to do, doesn't know anything about wrestling, somebody at work or one of my friends, and you know, I talk about you know what I do or like you know what I'm into. They're like, oh yeah, Iowa's real good, right? You know, and I have to explain to them, yeah, they, they were they were awesome. That blah blah blah. Dan Gable, you know, Penn State's really the team now, but they all know, especially the older generation that has no knowledge about wrestling whatsoever, who Iowa is. So they give wrestling some sort of, you know, respect in terms of understanding it a little bit. Penn State probably does that as well. I wish their fans weren't such jerks all the time. Not all of their fans, but some of them, their fans are jerks, but. It might be good for the sport. Now, as an Ohio State fan, Did you fan, just call their like fans it. jerks? Some of them are. Like who? Name one. Get on the message boards. This 21 guns or whatever. What's his name? 21 something or other. Post on the mat.com. Dude is an absolute <laughs> turd. I hate him. If he listens to our podcast, I hope he stops. In fact, I think he's a guy from that's a fan of a different school that's really just riling, it up, riling people up. It's you. No, it's not me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I, look, I agree with you. I think. As much as I want to say it's not a good thing for college wrestling, I think it is a good. I think it is a good thing. Um, I think when you have a program like Penn State, and we've kind of touched on this before, that is doing things that have not been done in a long time or has never been done, it forces other programs to really up their game, up their support, and you know to, to chase them. And I gotta agree with Foley in his article. You know when he said that. Having teams like this, it makes it easy for the casual fan to follow. Everybody's going to know who Penn State is and what they've done. Just like back in the heyday, everybody knew who Dan Gable and Iowa was and what they did. Now, I think, you know, kind of as I said before, I'm not a huge fan of it because of Ohio State, right? But at the same time, it's hard to disagree. Because, you know, you have those teams out there that everybody else – like remember when Beard committed, right? And I think the inside trip, we tweeted something – about like, oh my God, you know, another one. Everybody's latching onto that. Everybody's saying the same thing. It's all of the fans are joining up against Penn State because it's they're the you know David or they're the Goliath. Everybody else is the David, and you know we have a common hatred towards everybody. It brings everybody else closer. It's going to be biblical. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's good for the sport. At the same time, man, no. Look, if Ohio State. Or Michigan, or you know, some team that's going to be great next year has a shot to knock them off. You better believe that everybody in Cleveland, Quicken Loans Arena, is going to be cheering, especially at Ohio State, going to be cheering every time a PA wrestler, or Penn State wrestler loses, and every time you know somebody else wins. So it, it makes those storylines. No, I agree with you, man. Oh, and just to uh, 
to touch base a bit, it was Justin Mejia that Austin DeSanto beat at the Pittsburgh Wrestling Classic. That's right. Justin Mejia, not Joey Silva. Dude, that's kind of... <laughs> oh, I, got a, I got a up. comment I can make about this. Shut I, up. Nah, I'm just kidding. All right, so you brought up Ohio State. We're kind of... <laughs> We're kind of getting towards the end of here, but um, since you mentioned, mentioned Ohio State. Um, so we talked last time about how Jose Rodriguez was transferring outside of Ohio State. Everybody at the time thought it was because he just couldn't hold the weight, maybe couldn't compete at one of the higher weights. But it turns out that he is an absolute asshat, okay. to put it lightly. He made a really, really Dumb. stupid decision. Yeah, I don't made- know him as a person, but. I don't know him as a, as a person either, but what the hell are you doing outside a bar at 2.30 in the morning jumping dudes? Yeah, with another guy. With Why, another wrestler. Two wrestlers don't need to be jumping a random civilian. That's freaking ridiculous. And in, in no way is am I going to back him up on that. That's it's f- dumb. stupid. It's, it's, it's unacceptable. They're facing felonious assault He charges. put a dude in the hospital. Not, not him. Him and another guy put a dude in the hospital. Ag his arm. Yeah, basically, you know, from what I heard, they stole this dude's beer. Like They're probably walking around the bar thinking they were the shit. No, I don't know what happened. They tried to steal this dude's beer, and this guy was like, hey, that's not nice of you to steal my beer. That's my beer. And they were like, oh, yeah? All right. So they got kicked out of the bar, and they waited for this guy. Dummies, no place for it um, in society, no place for it on the Ohio State wrestling team. Um, and you're going to you reap what you sow. That being said, you know, if he does get a second chance, I'm going to wish him well, and I hope that he learns from this because, look, we've all made dumb mistakes, and even though this is a stupid mistake. You know, there's no place for it here, but – if he goes somewhere else, you know, he needs – hopefully he gets his life together because – and maybe he's a great kid that made a really stupid decision, but these types of decisions you need to learn that you can't make. Yeah, I mean, all joking aside, look, you know, I think last time when we thought he was transferring for other reasons, it was like, oh, I hope he can latch on someplace and has great success and, you know, can get, get on the podium at some point in time. Um, look, when you're that age facing felonious assault charges, I hope he can get his life – I hope he can get through this, get his life back on track because – He's obviously, you know, got a lot of talent. Um, I've never heard of problems like this before. And, you know, it sucks. I mean, he's basically, he, he, he's put himself in a hole, quite a bit of big hole. He put himself in a bad position. Now, obviously, the lawyer in me realizes that he's probably not going to, I don't know all the facts, but the odds are he's probably not going to get a felony to stick. They're going to settle something for a misdemeanor, and it's going to be serious misdemeanor, which could involve jail time. It's definitely going to involve some sort of probation, most likely. Um, and whether or not, like, you know, look, you look at a trans seller. You know, he's probably going to be on Lockhaven's team next year, and he he did some crazy things. Um, I think society in general is quick to forgive somebody if they own up to their actions. Chance Marsteller realized, and if you read some of the articles, said mm-hmm. that I had a problem. Um, you know, I've gone to therapy for it. I've gone to rehab for it. I'm getting the help I need. And then he was coaching kids, you know. Exactly. And, yeah. and then Good he, point. Good point. he was trying to help out. And then now he's going to be a great comeback story if he can do it because society likes us. Society, we're, people are quick to jump on someone and say and beat him down, but we also like the comeback stories. And I'm not going to beat J-Rod down. Like I said, like we both just said, there's no room for it anywhere, and he's got to go as a Buckeye. No way you can keep him around. But um, you know, hopefully he can get his life together, and you know, maybe it's a comeback story as well. Um, and speaking of Ohio State, so apparently, well, not apparently, um, Nathan Tomasello just did an interview with a, a new podcast. Uh, it's got, I think this podcast is going to be a great addition to anybody's podcast listening repertoire. It's Steelwood Radio. They're based out of Columbus, out of Steelwood Center there. They're going to be very close to the team, obviously getting a lot of um, Ohio State athletes on. Um, I think it's going to be a great resource for us Buckeye fans. But anyway, Tomasella just in an interview talking about the what weight he's going to go next year. Um, and I think it's what everybody was kind of anticipating. There is a chance that we see him at 125, but a lot of that is going to depend on what they do with the international weights. Yeah, I think that I think the chance of us seeing him at 125 aren't isn't very good. And let me tell you the reason. So I guess basically what NATO said was what Nathan Tomasella said was. If they keep the international weights the same as they are right now, 57 kilograms, which is 125, I think, point point five, five pounds. Yeah, I think so. Or And 61, uh, um, which is you know up there in the 130s, that he will drop to 125 next year mm-hmm. during the season because he needs to get his weight starting to manage down because of those um, two uh, day, day of weigh-ins for weigh-ins. international style. Yeah. Yes. Um, which he can kind of atrophy his body to do. Now, what he did say is that if the weight classes change because they're adding weights – to the worlds next year, they're mm-hmm. adding the number of they're adding two weights, right? Two weight cl- two weight classes. That if the weight changes and it goes back down to a fifty five, which is one twenty one and a half, 
and uh, goes to 60, then he's going to stay um, at 133 and then wrestle 60 kilograms Correct. internationally. My guess is that we see the weight drop to 55 kilograms. And I agree with you 100%. And I think this is such a bad thing, not only for, for, for one, as an Ohio State fan, I would love to see Tomasello at 125. But if they switch this weight down to 55 kilograms and throw in day of weigh-ins, I think this is going to do huge problems for the United States. Because many of our top-level 55-kilogram guys... 57-kilogram guys right 57, now, yeah. and previously before that, when it was 55, sure. are our guys at Russell College at 125 pounds. But there was day before weigh-ins. You now, mean 133? 133 pounds? Because some of our guys were wrestled 133, too, didn't they? I'm just speaking in general terms okay. here. What what did I say? We used to they wrestled 120. Uh, some of our top guys were 125 pound. Correct. Wrestlers. Some of our top 55 kilogram athletes in the past, and even 57 kilogram athletes today, are our top 125 pound college wrestlers. Okay. Okay. But that was with day before weigh ins. If we drop that weight back to 55 kilograms, which is 121 pounds, without day before weigh ins. I think that's going to do the United States a put, put the United States in a huge bind and a well, huge burden. It's going to be a huge hole because you know this is what I was leading to is that look at some of our top guys now. At fifty seven kilograms, our top guys was one hundred thirty three pounder, Tony Ramos. Our Olympic representative was Daniel Dennis, who was one hundred thirty three pounder, and one of the other top guys at this weight is uh, Tyler Graff, uh, Nashawn Garrett. All of those guys were 133 pounders. I don't see them getting down to 121. The majority of all those guys also started their careers out at 125, and then you throw in guys like Thomas Gilman, who just won the last chance qualifier sure. this weekend. Um, you know, Thomas Ello, those types Lutus. of guys, Mega Lutus. Um, so it's kind of split 25 pounders Delgado, and 33 pounders. Exactly. I mean, it's kind of, so it's the point I'm trying to make is is that if we go down to 121 pounds with day of weigh-ins, we don't have guys that compete at that light of a weight on a regular basis. I think Megalutus can make 121. With day of weigh-ins. Yeah, I think he can. Um, he might be one of the only ones I can see because he's not huge. He's not huge. Um, other than that, I'm not sure who's making 121 besides Spencer Lee. <laughs> which, <laughs> he might be our guy. <laughs> which leads me to my you know, my point. I think it's going to put the United States in a giant bind. In the I, think you'll, I think you'll see some of those. So it used to be with the day before weigh-ins, a lot of our 25-pounders would go down to 21. It wouldn't be a problem. Correct. Right? You have the abysses and things of that nature. With day of weigh-ins, you're right. That's a great point. I, it just kind of hit me. That's four pounds lighter than our lowest college weight. Yep, in day of weigh-ins. Day of weigh-ins. You're going to be sucking because how many guys are not cutting weight to make 125? Exactly. Everybody's cutting weight to make 125. The you light just, has come on. Yeah, I'm you glad just, you're picking up what I'm putting I re- down. I read that seven minutes, you know those articles that the Open Mat po- yes. publishes? Yeah. They published one with Joey Dance, and he was like, dude, I was cutting a shit. He didn't say that, but I was cutting a shit ton of weight to make 125 is what he's saying. you know. And he was a big 125-pounder, but he wasn't a massive. I mean, I'm not sure he was going 21. Definitely none of our 33-pounders in college. I mean, unless you pull a Mike Zaddock where you just basically cut off a leg to make 32 when he was a 49-pounder. Right. So we'll see. I mean, who knows, man? We don't know. what We don't know. But I think I agree that 21 is not going to be comfortable for very many people to make. No, but the fact of the matter is I think the odds are very good that that's what's going to happen. It's going to go 55-60. Um, I heard and- that it was going to be 5 kilograms split up until the big one, up until the heavyweights. Right. I, I'm worried long term. I'm worried what that's going to have the effect that that's going to have long term on the United States wrestling. What did Cejudo win it at? Was it twenty fifty five or fifty seven? I think it was fifty five. Yeah, me too. Let, but but ben, he was also a smaller guy. So you know, Cejudo was a smaller guy, and that was also day before weigh-ins. I think that might be the bigger issue: is that day before weigh-ins or, or uh, the day of weigh-ins are going to really, really hurt that lower weight class, and that's going to hurt the weight, lower weight class for all. I think for all countries. Correct. Well, I don't know for all countries. I mean, 55 kilograms was a weight in years past. Um, not, day be- not day of weigh-ins. Though. Not day of weigh-ins. You're right. Not day of weigh-ins. Um, Sehudo did win the Olympic gold medal at 55 kilograms, but other countries don't have college wrestling. Ah, good point. You know, our guys that are transitioning to the international style typically are coming from NCAA college yep. wrestling, where they're accustomed to making 125 and probably cutting down to 125, you know, with a walk around weight of let's say 135, and then in the off season they're close to 140, 145. Yeah, no I, doubt. I would say that's probably a fair. Let's estimate. think of some like we think Darren Cruz is a small 25 pounder. I'm sure he was still sucking some weight, but I can't think of a lot of people that are like really, really like how many 125 pounders are weighing in under. You know what I'm saying? Like not not actually 125 mm-hmm. pounds. 
Not now, very many of them. Now, and and I apologize for any of our listeners. Look, you know, I, I, my time only goes back so far, but you know, if back in the day we were successful at that weight class, there used to be a time and you know, there used to be a day when we had a 118 pound weight class in college. Good point. Good point. So that's that's kind of my thoughts on that. Um, I think you're right. I do agree with you. I think we're probably not going to see Thomas Allo at 125 just for the simple fact that I do think they go back to 55 kilograms. But I would love to see him at 125 because that does give Ohio State their best chance at competing with the Goliath. Yeah, they're dead. I mean, you slide Pletcher in right there at 33, and uh, Ohio State's got a shot, man. All right, man. Ben, that's about all I got. You got anything else today? I got nothing else, man. It's good to get back and talk some wrestling. Absolutely, I agree. I missed you. I missed talking wrestling. Um, there's a lot of stuff coming up, people. We got the rural team trials for men coming up here June 9th and 10th. We're going to put out a podcast talking about that. Um, got the rural championships coming up this summer. There's going to be some great stuff going on. Other than that, that's all we got. If we can leave you with one piece of advice, as always, don't wind up on your back, bro.